0: Hey everybody, this is Patrick Cacciatore with No Struggle, No Story. Here on No Struggle, No Story, we put a huge emphasis on talking with highly successful athletes about a struggle or adversity they faced and what they've been able to do to overcome it and learn from it rather than look at it as a negative experience. So today I'm super excited to bring on ATP Career High number 48, Jared Donaldson, who's competed in all four Grand Slams. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Jared.
1: All right. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate being on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um yeah, me and Jared spoke a little bit prior to the podcast and um just going about like his story and when he's gonna be going over. And so yeah, pretty much I mean Jared, start wherever you think is best and uh yeah, let's dig into it.
1: Uh well I guess I'll start kind of just my journey from the beginning of tennis. You know, I started playing when I was four and a half, um years old. Um really took a liking to it. Uh, my parents were super supportive and trying to support me, you know, in, uh, as best they could with, you know, the best resources they could provide with the resources they could provide and so forth. Sure. Um, and, you know, kind of one thing led to another and I definitely had a, you know, an, a, a knacking for tennis, you know, I had, I had a natural ability. I was always athletic. I was competitive. Um, and, you know, quickly, became one of the better players in my, in my section. I'm, you know, jumping forward a couple of years, probably till to when I was eight, sure. uh, nine and so forth. Um, and I'm from new England, Rhode Island. So not, you know, a hotbed of tennis, sure. but still, yeah. you know, it was, um, you know, I was probably competing at the time, you know, three years um, above my age, kind of sure. consistently through all, all the way out, all the way through my, my career, my junior career. Sure, and sure. um. So, again, quickly became one of the better players in my section. Um, and then eventually, I think, you know, as most tennis players find out or, or, um, or not even tennis players, but anybody in, a, in an industry to keep improving and keep progressing, you kind of have to expand and not stay within your bubble. I um, and I ended up taking an unorthodox route. And going to Argentina and living in Argentina on and off for approximately two and a half, three years, okay. um, and that was from when I was fourteen to 16 sixteen and a half. Okay, came came back to the United States when I was, you know, sixteen, and um, started, uh, and then moved out to California shortly thereafter. Um, I know that there's an emphasis on kind of you know, overcoming adversity for the podcast focus and so forth. So I think, you know, just talk just the first adversity I honestly faced uh, through my junior career um, was the fact that I grew up in in indoor tennis. I'm not sure, Pat, where you're from, but I'm from, as I mentioned, I'm from Rhode Island. For sure. And you know, playing indoors a, a large portion of the year, it definitely lends itself to one certain style of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for me, that meant I hit the ball a little bit straighter. I didn't have as much shape on the ball. Sure. Um, I didn't move particularly well. Um, and that really. And so I was really good on, on an indoor that I was kind of had, a, I had a really good game indoor and I didn't have a bad game for out for outdoors or, or even clay for that matter. But certainly when I started playing more international competitions that really, um, you know, showed up in, in, in a lot of my results, I really, sh- I, I, you know, struggled. Um, and a lot of players who had, you know, kind of a more diverse background of playing on, you know, European players play on clay, for sure, um, which is a much slower surface. Um, outdoor hard I mean you know there's fast there's slow I mostly played on faster indoor hard hard courts for most of the year and to kind of correct that flaw those flaws in my game is the reason why I moved to Argentina first Um, and uh, and it was a really you know great experience for for a time and um, you know I really I, I mean it really improved my movement my accuracy my shot selection my consistency just just all the things that i lacked and i always you know think that or say that going to argentina wasn't would not be good for for everybody but for me it was exactly what i needed you know what i mean so no
0: for sure i think so when you made that huge decision obviously you're a pretty young kid you're 14 moving to a new country i mean what was that process like in your head? I mean, obviously, new culture, new people around you. Um, did you ever – did you have a tough time adjusting to that and kind of being, you know, away from, you know, your family all the time in Rhode Island and things like that? Yeah. Uh,
1: so, great question. And I would say for a time, I did it. So, to kind of – so, to give a brief overview, I kind of – originally, we, we thought – or my father and I – thought, okay, we'll go down for three months and play this, these group of tournaments called COSAT. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they, they're, and I was playing this, I would play the sixteens. Yeah. Um, and we really felt after the end, at the end of three months that I was improving so, so much that that it would be beneficial to say a couple of extra months. So I ended up staying for my first round five months. So I went from January to basically May. Um, and would come back and then I came back for the summers and went down there for the fall and so forth so really for two and a half years um I lived there probably nine months or not eight nine eight and a half months out of the year and cold I mean and it was fine I mean I, I really I didn't miss um I mean obviously I missed home and it was difficult I didn't speak the language I don't speak Spanish yeah. to this day uh so I missed opportunity I guess but um but i guess life is full of those um but i think that uh, that it that it was worth it as long as i felt like there was a, a large benefit from it if that sure. makes sense you know so so it was you know i didn't get to go to my friends on the weekends or hang out with my friends it, it was much different i mean so i um so so it, there were some hardships but it was worth the sacrifice 100%. because i felt like i was improving a lot in tennis and it was really beneficial for my tennis And then kind of when that dynamic changed, when I felt like like I was underperforming, that's when the sacrifice really became noticeable, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point because I think you're talking about kind of like you had this purpose of why you're down there, I think. And, you know, you're down there to improve and you're down there. I mean, tennis is your career and it's what you want to do. And, you know, you go down there, you know, for one purpose and one purpose only. And I think that's something that's really cool for pretty much anybody to learn is that, I guess would you say kind of this, this overall why of like why you're doing these things and this purpose behind the moves you were making kind of led you to make these decisions and allowed you to make these sacrifices?
1: For a hundred percent, that's a hundred percent accurate. And I'll also say, you know, so, so for me, Argentina was great. Like I said, and you know, everybody, I had an awesome coach named Paulo Bianchi. Um, he was amazing. And then when I came home and who coached me also for a while after I came back, Alejandro Cohn, he was also amazing. And I mean, I really learned a lot and everything that, and you know, and also just, just having fitness be a big portion of the day. Also, you know, i um, being a, uh, you know, I did fitness two times a day every day, I mean, five days a week and so forth, you know? Um, and so it was like, you know, really like, eight, nine hours of tennis and tennis related activities that includes fitness, you know, every day since for for every all the time I was there, um, excluding Sundays, um, and half a day Saturday, I guess. But, but really, I guess, you know, to kind of lead into another interesting, you know, development after that is I'm there in Argentina for two and a half years. And at the time, so really, at the time, I'm just turning 16. It's in the fall, I go play my first Futures, which for people who don't know what, what futures are in tennis, they are basically entry-level professional tournaments. And I go and um, play a future in Venezuela of all places, um, which today I don't think there's – well, obviously right now there's futures nowhere in the world. But there, I mean, it wasn't
0: yeah, as, as much up upheaval. It,
1: exactly. It wasn't a distraught country as it is now. Um, so I go there and – no expectations but I qualify and then first round I play um I play the one seed who at the time was 290 in the world and I ended up I ended up winning and um and got my first point so that's obviously
0: huge for any
1: tennis player I would say that was you know one of my biggest achievements right um certainly for me top three um and and um and and so I have these great results. I go next week. I do really well in the futures next week. And, you know, by the end of those two weeks, I went and played two futures. I had four ATP points, which was at the time good for ranking up 1,200 yeah. in the world. And for a 15 who I just turned 16 during the second week in the tournament, that's really – that's
0: huge. It's pretty huge.
1: impressive. That, you know, not to toot my own horn, but that was, you know, really – Comparable to the top kids in the world, I think. Yeah, Yeah, huge huge results. Yeah, most top players when they're about 16, 15, 16, start getting their first points and whatnot. Um, And then I go and play a prestigious tournament called Eddie Herr. Yeah. And um, which is an ITF, 18 under, one of the biggest ITFs of the year, excluding the slams. And I go, and I'm thinking, okay, I have, I'm going to go and at least and win it or get to the final or something, and I lose in the second round.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was just such a devastating kind of result because I felt like I had made all this progress, and here I was going to do these, go on to these great things. I just played these great you know, futures against professional players, and, and then just such a letdown, you know? Sure. And then I play – I go to Orange Bowl with diminished confidence, and I play someone who tennis players will know. Um, and he was a really great junior. And he's just now starting to play really well on the tour. Um, is Christian Green.
0: Yeah.
1: He was, you know, since I was 12, one of the best players in the in the world. And I lose to him real badly in the first round. Yeah. And to, that was just so draining or just such so deflating. Because I felt like I was, you know, at those guys' level. And, I mean, I wasn't anywhere – I wasn't anywhere – to s- close to them to speak of, you know? Okay. And after that, that's when, so I just turned 16. So that's when I really had kind of a negative, uh, association with, um, with, um, with Argentina because <laughs> I, you know, felt like I was putting in all the sacrifice and I ended up going back down and I ended up, I felt like I was putting in all the sacrifice and then kind of thinking, boy, you know, it's not, if I'm, if this is my level, you know, getting crop getting crushed and not having the op- maybe and maybe not having the opportunity to be a great professional. Well, I don't want to be here yeah. if it's if I'm not if I don't feel like I'm having this unbel you know, these unbelievable results or it's worth the sacrifice. And then so to jump forward three months, I'm there for another couple months in Argentina and I go play the Cassat tour- tournaments, this time the ITF version, so the yeah. 18 under and it's the first one it's in Argentina and I go and I lose first round
0: yeah.
1: and it was again so crushing because you know you when you like when you have this expectation of yourself and I think most players have a tendency to overestimate their ability yeah for sure and I, you know, definitely had a, a you know, a, a picture of who I was as a tennis player in my mind and when I didn't live up to it. That was just devastating. So I told my dad, you know, I don't think I really want to play anymore. Yeah. Um, and he was, you know, he said, okay, that's fine. So I went back to Argentina I, I, you know, I told my coach, I said, Pablo, you know, I don't think I really want to, you know, I, I just can't, I need a break or I, I don't know if I really want to pursue it, pursue yeah. tennis with the same um, fire and, and uh, yeah. yeah and aggression that I want to so I left Argentina and then didn't play for two months you know I thought okay mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to high school um, you know I was entering my junior year at college or college of high school and say okay you know I'm going to forget trying to pursue being a professional tennis player and, um, and kind of focus more on academics and you know go to college and whatnot and then finally, I kind of, I missed the competitive, the competitiveness of it, you know, do, just waking up, doing school there, didn't see, I didn't have any, you know, there was no zeal in that for me at the time. You know, it just felt like I was just existing and not pursuing something not
0: passionate about it.
1: Yeah. I wasn't passionate about it. And again, it, it's a big, you know, kind of drawdown. If you think, you know, you're pursuing something on a grandiose scale. Yeah. Not everyone wants to be a tennis player or an athlete. I get that. But when you're pursuing something at a really high level that you're trying to be great at, and then all of a sudden you're kind of competing in a you know a mundane world where there you know not everybody is is uber competitive, and it's not like you know with tennis. I'm sure you feel it too. Life and death on the court. If you win, you're a hero. If you lose, you suck, and you know yeah. you're never you're never gonna play again, and you feel terrible. And there's not there's no. There's no of that when you're solving an algebraic equations. You, know, you, you solve it or you don't. You know, you're yeah. writing a paper. You write it or you don't, and you're judged on a scale that not to the level that Nobel Prize winner would be judged on, right? Yeah, for sure. So then I started playing again after, you know, a couple months of taking time off, and it was, you know, and then I started having really good results again. But um, that was probably, you know, and it's kind of weird to think about because for me. I feel like I, you know, I accomplished on a relative scale so far to date. Hopefully there's still more, uh, a lot in tennis. Um, but to think I was, you know, really close to to quitting is kind of, uh, in my view, kind of funny.
0: I think that's, that's a really cool point for people to hear because, you know, like your own view of it can, it, it always looks one way, but it may be something different, you know? And I think the way you go about, uh, you kind of went about that situation where so you felt like you were doing so great and then obviously your confidence got put down but when you took those two months off did you feel like man no like i am like i am what i thought i was like i am going to give this another shot like was it your love of the game that brought you back or was it just this idea that you know that you were putting in this work and that things are going to come up for you again um so i will
1: i will kind of add something else is that I think that one of the biggest mistakes and I, th- I honestly think that is relatable to life. You know, a lot of, a lot of what I'm talking about, because I think it happens in, in life also. You think you're really great at a, at a job and you get passed up for a promotion and you know, you feel yeah. a lot of resentment and feel like you're not getting recognized for the work you're putting in. I think it's, it's all relatable, you know, it's, you're just in different situations. But right. um, to, to, to answer your question, I just missed the competitiveness of it. And one of the things, one of the mistakes I made when I was younger, and I think I still do to this day, but it's less so is I always compared myself to to the other players of my generation, you know, and some players of my generation who were great juniors at the time, like Christian Gareen have gone on to be great professionals, but it took him, you know, four years to get to a higher level than what I was kind of at. You know, I was, I was, you know, a better player or higher ranked than, than he was, you know, for a large portion of our professional, which surprised me. I think he's a great player, you know, I was, yeah, but, yeah. but there's other players also, you know, like, um, you know, Karen Kachanov, yeah. um, uh, to my knowledge, you know, I never saw him in a lot of ITF tournaments. Now yeah. he's one of the best players of my generation and whatnot yeah. um, and players who have, the best player of my generation really was this kid, was this Italian player named John Luigi Quincy. And he has, you know, not performed as well as what a lot of people would have thought. But the but the point in, in of it being is, I was comparing myself to all these players and really not just embracing my own journey and, oh, and sure. kind of my own progression. It was always like, well, how do I stack up against so-and-so? And how do my results um, stack up against, you know, and, and and a perfect example of it is after the the my good results in those professional tournaments when I was sixteen, the next week, Alexander Zverev, Sasha Zverev made the made the finals of one of those events. So my wow. best result was the quarters. He made a finals, and it you know creates like some competitiveness,
0: um, like some not,
1: not, not but but that but also a, some feeling of um of inferior inferiority. You know, not right. accepting for the fact that you know, where, you know, he did great and I did good. It was, oh, well, it makes you self-conscious. Well, yeah, I, thought, I think I'm on kind of the same level. He, but he's doing, so, he's just had a, a result that's so great. So, and and that, and when I came back, I said, you no, know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on what everybody else is doing. I don't, ca- I, I don't care kind of what everybody else is doing great for them. I'm just going to focus on myself and whatever happens happens. If I feel I'm good enough to play professional, then I'll go do that. If not, I'll, go to, I'll try to go to college, you know, it, and play in school. So, so, and then separating myself from that, I had the best results, you know, at that point of my career. Um, I did great in juniors. I started doing better in juniors. I started doing well in professionals and things just kind of snowballed off of that. Um, But I guess going back on the answer, your original question, the thing that really led me back to tennis or it just was just that the competitiveness of it, you know, like there's no other situation in life where you're one-on-one with nobody else. And you win by yourself and you lose by yourself. So it's all on, it's all on uh, you. 100%. And, um, and, um, and, and that, that, that's what I loved about it. You know, it, just trying to pursue that, 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 something great you know and that that was tangible and that i could see my results kind of daily and so that's what really brought me back to it
0: i think i've always thought that yeah tennis is a great example of you can really judge yourself on the work you put in and it's strictly yours it's you're not really relying on anyone else to bring you up or pull you down for that matter to be honest i think that's the beautiful thing about the sport and yeah i think you talked about something really interesting where yeah your comparison to others before and i think like you said, it's super relatable to everyone in life, you know, like you can be in a business um, with someone else and, you know, maybe they're getting more sales than you or something like that. And you're saying like, well, I feel like I'm doing great. And I'm just as great of at what I am that. And so when you came back to tennis, it sounds like you took a little bit more of a process oriented mindset where it was kind of like, am I better than I was yesterday? And how well yeah. has that change served you like throughout your career up until yeah you becoming obviously top fifty in the world and all throughout this process
1: sure so um so the better I did, the more I wanted to kind of compare myself to other players and so forth yeah. so it's always, you always have to keep it in check, right um but i've always but since then i've really i really valued you know not worrying about what everybody else is doing and not you know kind of feeling, look, I have a match today, and only I'm the one out there playing it. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, only I'm out there playing it. Nobody else can play it for me. I don't care what, you know, my contemporary is doing on the court next to me. I have to go out there and play for myself. And and I think just having that really cr- created just just a, just a release of tension, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because I personally, I think a lot of stress comes from when you try to focus and control things that you, that, that are outside of your control. And when you boil it down, there's very few things that you can that you can you know tangibly control um and and that and that's really I think that removed a lot of pressure and um and you know hopefully if I get back to playing then that will you know continue to serve me well into the future
0: yeah I think that's an awesome point because I mean I went through a similar process where I think you know, I. Uh, you know, you grow up in junior tennis, and obviously, you never played college tennis, right? But you know, for the longest time, you're are playing for yourself. You know, like yeah. you know, it's just you strictly out there, you're alone, and you know, you go into a college tennis environment, and it's very easy every day to be comparing yourself to your teammates and to the people around you every time. And so, I went through a very similar process where I really had to learn that, like, I can't worry about what this guy's doing next to me, like every single day. Like, obviously, try and lift him up as a teammate, but at the same time, I think um, it's really about if I'm improving and I'm improving myself from yesterday, then you're improving the team as a whole. And Oh, so,
1: yeah, no, yeah. I think
0: that was a huge dynamic to learn. And, you know, like you talked about, like, this freeing – it's almost like a weight lifted off your shoulders because before, you know, you feel like no matter how well you did, there's still somebody that's doing something a little bit better than you. You know, at some point in the world, unless you're Novak Djokovic or Federer or something yeah. like that, obviously, right? I mean
1: – But so, even those guys, you know, I mean – they're looking for the one, the half, the, you know, 0.0, the one tenth of 1% edge because exactly. they they know that somebody else, they know that, you know, one of the, those guys, either Rafa is doing it, is looking for that edge too. So they're all, you know, it, it goes all the way up the food chain. right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so I think, you know, how much does that contribute to like, I guess, I mean, your daily mood and also, I mean, now you're obviously going through some injuries you're not, haven't been able to play as much because of these recent injuries and stuff. Sure. How much has that also kind of helped you like judge yourself and judge yourself how much you're getting better, even when you're not able to be on the court um, in, your, in your life today?
1: Sure. So, I mean, you just kind of touched on uh, something that's happening now. Um, so just for a brief background, uh, July 2018, um, I was playing at Wimbledon. or I was getting ready to, I guess the story really begins, I was getting ready to play at Wimbledon. And um, the, so one thing about Wimbledon people don't know is you don't practice every other tournament you can practice on the, on the match courts, uh, Wimbledon, and for, for a lot of the grass tournaments, but Wimbledon you get each player. So no matter if you're Roger Federer, all the way down to me, <laughs> you get one hour of um, practice on the actual Wimbledon match courts with another player. So it has to be shared with another player. Um, and he, well, each player gets an hour, um, but it has to be with another player. It can't just be with your coach. So it was, you know, the Thursday before the tournament, or I don't know, it might've even been the Saturday. I think it was actually the Saturday before the tournament. Um, I'm, you know, walk, I'm playing a practice set against Matthew Ebden. I still remember it. And I'm walking along the back of the court. And I just think, I just remember feeling, oh my gosh, my knee's really bothering me, you know? But as an athlete, as a tennis player, I think everybody can relate, even if you just go work out. You're always dealing with something, right? I mean, something always isn't feeling a hundred percent right. So I just kind of wrote it off. as, And, you know, to, to, to be frank, I've had, you know, people have had, I think knee problems are a common injury in tennis, right? So, you, so you're always dealing with something. And I thought, you know, whatever, I'll, it'll be fine. But it was really bothering me. And then the next day I come out and I traveled with a physio and a co and, you know, so, you know, you get work done and the next day I came out and it was still kind of bothering me, but not as bad. I go and play my first round of, of, um, of, um, of, of Wimbledon. And, you know, first set it doesn't bother me at all. Second set a little bit, third set a little bit more, but I, I was lucky enough or unlucky enough. Maybe if I didn't win, I would have, um, I would have, I would, I would have never hurt myself. I don't know, but I won, and then the next round I played and I lost in five sets, and it really bothered me. So basically, you know, fast forward eight months and and um, no, oh, sorry, sorry, um, and then uh, eight months, I um, eight months I tried to rehab. So from 2018 to June of 2019, tried to rehab, didn't get better, had surgery, um, rehabbed, uh, didn't work. Three months ago, I had another surgery, basically, you know, the exact same procedure I had done with a little bit of variance. And and then, um, and now here we are. So hopefully my knee will get better. Um, we'll see. I, I guess you know nothing's guaranteed, but hopefully it'll get better. And then, um, so to answer your question about improving, I definitely got worse. There's no doubt about it. I guess though I was a year early in my injury, or maybe two years early with my injury, because now is a decent time to be injured. There's yeah, no for I'm sure. So my timing wasn't as perfect as it could have been, um, but. You know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think the one thing that I, that, that just getting older, maturing, um, you know, every day, even if I think a lot of situations, like we've talked about here today are applicable in life are applicable in tennis. So just, you know, reading a lot, learning, try understanding, you know, and then just thinking about little, you know, minute details of tennis every now and again, I think that I've really, you know, in that aspect improved a lot. And, and, you know, hope maybe come back and be a little bit more calm and even keel on the court and being you know better able to deal with certain situations hopefully so we'll see i'm 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 certainly you know hoping to get back and encouraged by the fact that i feel like even though i haven't been i'm maybe not as good of a tennis player um you know the ancillary things that come in with being a tennis player mental fitness physical fitness i feel like i am better so we'll we'll see
0: No, I think that's a cool point because I mean, especially during, I guess that's really applicable to right now when, you know, a lot of people can't work how they want to, a lot of people can't play how they want to, whatever sport that may be. And so kind of really just have to focus in on the areas that really you feel like you can, you can control. You talked about controllables a lot. And I think, you know, that's a really great point is that, you know, it's not ever always going to be exactly how you want it, but uh, you don't get
1: to, you don't get to choose the hand you're dealt. You know, exactly. I only, think
0: you only get to choose how you play it right absolutely and so i think that's a really really great uh point for everyone to understand and so yeah i guess kind of to close out here maybe um to whoever's listening and all the viewers if you know if they for whatever struggle or adversity they're dealing with um what's the biggest piece of advice that you would probably give them you know to kind of keep moving forward
1: um i mean for me personally i would say that i i think that for me what's really important is to find something you're real you know you're really passionate about and then pursue it to the nth degree and then if you're not able to to pursue it to the nth degree find something else you're passionate about and pursue that to the nth degree and Mm -hmm. and and and, you know because i think that's kind of how i have lived or how i want to live kind of my life and and whether or not i get i you know get healthy and able to play tennis there will be some other endeavor that I will put 110 percent of my path, of, of my energy into and try to be the best that I can be and taking every opportunity to better myself, whether it be whether it be um, whether it be tennis or, or, or it doesn't need, or whatever you know um, it's important for me to kind of pursue something aggressively and, and always learn and always kind of be open-minded. Um, be be confident in your opinions, but be open minded to 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 changes kind of and and, per, and take every opportunity that's given and for me you know that's kind of what what uh what i think is re- what i've what kind of defines me as a person and, and what i think is has has helped me along the way
0: I think that's awesome i think uh yeah if you're passionate about what you do and you pursue it as much as you can then i mean I think that's a win in itself for you know that's awesome, and uh, man, I appreciate you so much for uh, doing this, and uh, I'm super excited for everyone to be able to kind of listen to your story and uh, yeah what you had to say. so:
1: Well, I hope that they find it interesting.
0: Yes, sir, yes, sir. Me too. I'm sure they will, but uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in touch, my man.
1: All right, thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. You got it. Good talking to you.